It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and it's another edition of the Custard TV podcast. Um, I think spring is finally with us on this lovely Maybank holiday weekend. Uh, we we have got Luke currently sunning himself somewhere in Spain. So uh, once again with us, we have got Dawn Glenn in sunny Dundee as ever. Dawn, yes. how are you? Hi, uh, it's the big weekend, it's Radio 1's big weekend in Dundee this weekend, so I am not at it, I'm sitting inside my house. But maybe if I opened the window and leaned out, I, you could hear whoever's playing co- uh, currently, I think it's Jess Glenn or somebody, um, but uh, I can't hear it at the moment. But could you? Uh, that was going to be my question. Is there... I actually couldn't, I was quite disappointed, right. if I used to live, I would have been able to hear it, but it's the other side, I, I live close to the centre of town, and it's way out the other end of town, uh, heading towards Perth, is where the the big festival is, and the big noise, so um, I cannot hear the 1975, the Jonas Brothers and Oh dear, the... lucky yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> And that other voice you heard, yes, he's back for his sort of biannual appearances yeah. I don't know, it's, it's Gary's here everyone, yay! What? What, what's a quarter? Uh, I, the Radio 1 are not anywhere near my house in, in sunny Kent, but I did attend the Radio 1 Roadshow in Bournemouth and Danny Minogue touched what, my hand. What gear, Gary? Oh, God. Well, Danny Minogue touched my hand. So, I mean, we're, we're talking 90s. Uh, so, I guess about, what, 95 maybe? I don't know. Can't really remember. So, what were you in Late teens. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> early 20s do you remember anyone else who was there or just the danny minogue well thing? no the danny minogue was the only the radio one road shows probably only had one live act and then mm. the djs would like and then there was a guy called smiley miley who were uh, <laughs> dawn's nodding her head so at least I know I've got that bit. and he I would be like he'd be like the hype guy wouldn't he? he'd be like he'd yeah. get the crowd going and then i can't remember, i think it was simon mayo but it may have it may have been adrian just i don't remember uh, but it was like a Radio 1 DJ, and then there was one special guest that happened to be Danny Minogue. Yeah, because I feel like I went to one in Blackpool, and it was Eternal who were there. Well, lucky you. <laughs> you, you, got <laughs> to hear a better, you got to hear a better band, but, you know. <laughs> the last one I was at, it was Ant and Deck when they were still PJ and Duncan. That was the last Radio 1 roadshow I went to. <laughs> See, I... Because, I, as you know, guys, I'm watching the 90s Top of the Pops on BBC4 because I'm cool. And they've just had uh, PJ and Duncan's follow-up to... Um, oh, Let's hold on, hold on. Can, can me and Dawn guess what that is? Do you, know, 
I think it might be I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, which was a couple No, of I remember oh. that one. It's oh. one that I didn't remember, you see. Gone, I... what's your guess? No, I don't know, because the only other one I can think of was their, I think, their last single, which was written by uh, Erasure's Andy Bell, and it was called Shout. There you go. Pop facts. Because Dawn has said song. that she's already, this is past her era already. Yeah. So go on then. What was the follow-up to? Uh, right, I can't remember the name of the song, but it oh, was all about. On. It was all about phone numbers. If you oh, can. Uh, I'll look it up. If I give you my number. No, that's it. If I give you my number. <laughs> number fifteen in nineteen ninety-four. There you go. Yeah. If you if I and was that directly after Ready to Rumble? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So yeah, if I give you my number. Yeah. Gary, any remembrance of that one? None no. at all. No, it will, will be on my uh, years of Top of the Pops, I think. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. We will be reviewing four shows. We have got the big new British drama of the week is uh, The Gallows Pole. That is a period drama from... Uh, Shane Meadows and uh, regular um, teammates, the uh, cast of Shane Meadows regulars there. We have got um, the long-anticipated UK debut of Poker Face from Ryan Johnson, starring uh, Natasha Leone. That's on Sky Max. Over on Sky Atlantic, we have got uh, White House Plumbers, starring Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux. And on good old uh, Netflix, uh, we have uh, Fubar starring someone called Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think I might have heard of him. We won't dwell on Philip Schofield. Um, no. Something ITV are doing at the moment, yeah. Not dwelling <laughs> on Philip Schofield. But yeah, Dawn, <laughs> Dawn knew the score but kept it close to her chest last week. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want uh, his lawyers getting caught tracking me down. And getting my pinch that I've got out of the bank. They're a bit busy dealing with other stuff, Dawn. I think you're okay. Yeah, I think I'm okay. And and is this where Gary announces he's hosting the Soap Awards next week? Well, I was going to say no. I mean, I, the last time I watched the Soap was probably a decade, at least a decade ago. My bet is they should let Gordon the Gopher do it. You know. Yeah, I, I there was there was a lot of Gordon the Gopher memes on Friday night yeah. that I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, won't on go. That, on that. that on that note, do, what do you, do you do? You feel this morning is done. I know it's no. not quite related, but like it recovered from like John Leslie and the Weatherman, <laughs> so surely it can recover from this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't think Holly's long for. No, I agree. For this morning, but I think because what what are they going to do? Are they going to have her with various sort of other hosts, like with Alison or with Dermot? It just feels it, she just feels a bit like a spare part, doesn't she now? Like 
I, I would say the way they do it is, yeah, everyone who's been on it, thank you very much, goodbye, and you get brand new hosts and you relaunch it after the summer. And, you know, because when it goes away a bit, people will forget and they'll be fine. That's my view. I th- I think everyone else bar Holly is going to be all right because I think Holly, but Holly had such a close association. I think yeah. they're still going to use her on Dancing on Ice and other other things, but I think they want a, a freshish start. I think they're yeah. they're keen to keep like Alison Hammond and Dermot and Josie Gibson and people like that on, but I think Holly was too close to Phil, and now this has come out. I think it's. Yeah. Their, their names were, I mean, we were, we, you know, ruminating about Ant and Deck earlier, you know, Ant and Deck, Holly and Phil, it was that same kind of thing. Mm. They were synonymous. Yeah. The word I was looking for. So, my my question on. is, what do I now do with all of my uh, going live videos that I have? I've been uh, digitizing and putting on YouTube. I yeah. would go over them first for evidence and then I would get rid of them. <laughs> Good to know. What we're watching uh, at the moment, I am always very intrigued when we have Gary on the programme. <laughs> it's very rare. And I, you know, you're not sort of like the typical person that we have on this show. You know, you're the man of the people. Um, yeah. You know, you're not like part of the sort of the TV Twitter arty. You very much go by the beat of your own drum. So what, the yeah, last I- last couple of months, Gary, what's been on the old hard drive? What's been on the old Sky Plus planner? So I, 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 I just finished jury duty. Now, again, I know I'm a little bit behind the time on that one, but I did sail through that. And I think in about three days, um, someone tipped me off about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. And, 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 it was obviously us when we talked about it. In the oh, podcast sorry. Yeah, no, obviously it was the, uh, the excellent <laughs> Custard TV podcast that talked about it uh, that I listen to all the time and I'm not on it. Um, and um, yeah, so there was that. I think I've still been heavily watching the quiz programmes. I know this, is it the last University Challenge this week or very soon? And Yeah, with, with the P- very Paxman's soon. last one. Yeah, and I, I don't know how I feel. Part of the enjoyment of it is the Paxman like disappointment of like, no, it wasn't that 7th century painter, you idiot. Um, you know, it, that's you know, so, far too early for... <laughs> yeah, oh, it's ridiculous that you would think it was that. You know, so I think some of the enjoyment of it was is, is Paxo. I, I've still got the last couple of episodes of Endeavour to watch. Um, oh, okay. I'm surprised you didn't finish. No, I did, but I've got them, so they're yeah. they're ready. And then I've still got Perry Mason uh, mm. to watch. I really enjoyed season one, so I'm going to enjoy season two, hopefully. Um, yeah, apart from that, no, I really can't sort of put So you're living the gimmick again now with the old hard drive. It's filling up. Well, again. that's right, yeah. Although, um, uh, just a slight spoiler, is I am moving in about two months' time. I haven't even told about this um and i'm a bit worried that i'm having sky transferred will my show still be there when i transfer don't know i don't work because otherwise i've got about three months worth of shows to catch up on in less than two months yeah i'm sure there's an faq somewhere you can look up i I don't work for sky no i i I wasn't asking you as a sky employee morely just a a tv (laughs) twitterati as you say yeah don't get involved on that side. It's yeah. just there. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, Gary, a lot of stuff to watch. But, yeah, I mean, are you one question for you. Are you going to keep watching Uni Challenge with Amal Rajan when he takes over? Oh, yeah. You know, pair that up with Mastermind and Only Connect. Of course, mm. I'm still going to be doing my uh, Quizzy Mondays or whatever they try to call mm. it on BBC Two. Um, but, yeah, I think I think I think it will lose some of its appeal. Yeah. Without- I'll give it a go, but I'm I'm not a massive fan of his. 
his style and I just I well fun, funnily enough he did I haven't watched it but again the other thing I've got to say is he did an interview with the two people who exposed Watergate mm, Woodward and Bernstein linking to show. I haven't watched that yet but there are a number of people that said he's not a good interviewer but then mm. his quiz program is completely different yeah he's someone who sort of likes the sound of his own voice and I know Paxman's similar but you know it's We'll see how he gets on because, like, yeah. Clive Myrie took a bit of time to get used to on Mastermind, and I think he's found yeah. his groove now. Yeah, I agree um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to. So I'll get I'll give him a chance, but I'm not ho- holding my breath, and um, yeah. you know, Paxman will be missed. Um, moving over to to you, Dawn. Something else that's going to be missed: Succession. Yeah, um, I'm just. I don't know if you noticed. I just got a flurry of notifications. Uh, that the finale script has been leaked and several of my friends have le- sent me it and um, I'm not going to read it. I shall wait and see it. But um, people don't seem happy. They did so, that in Game of Thrones, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So I, um, it's going to be a tricky one tonight, What? how it's going to how it's going to go. I say tonight. Are you, staying, are you staying up? Or I, you... I am because I have been requested to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, are you live tweeting? We'll give you the keys to the, the yeah. Twitter account. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say that, but then you're probably that's probably the time you're up anyway, isn't it? You're probably up that sort of time. That's Two fine. in the morning is is peak yeah. dawn, Glenn. I see. I seem to remember that we were asked to do that for Game of Thrones, and I remember saying, "Luke, no, I'm going to bed, mate. Sorry, I got work the next day." Well, I think that was when we were doing Gary Goes Westeros, if I exactly, remember. Yeah. We did. I think we had a guest on that one as well. Um, but yeah, so as I didn't even know about the script thing, you've just found out about it and haven't read it. Let's quickly do our predictions. What What are you thinking that's going to happen? What What or just something you think might happen? Uh, I think that Kendall is going to come out on top, but, you know, in doing so, will have destroyed his relationship with Shiv and Roman. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Roman. I don't feel good about it. I haven't, I haven't read anything people have said, only that I've seen people say, oh, it's it's rubbish. So I don't know specifics, but my assumption is that, that uh, Kendall will come out on top because he's playing it the most like his father, which is basically you know, throw everybody under the bus and think mm. only of yourself. Um, I mean, this last episode was fantastic as well, the funeral yeah. episode. I just thought the, the three bits where you've got the three different eulogy or the foot, if you yeah. include the bit with James Cromwell as well, which was excellent. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of the three, the Kieran Culkin's performance I thought was, yeah. was great and better than the one that a lot of people sort of praised him for in the scene with Madsen earlier in the in the series that that sort of like his that uh, mask finally dropping and him you yeah. showing this vulnerable side that we know that has been there since the start then um Kendall coming up and doing that really sort of profound speech and then Shiv coming up and doing that like embarrassing like sort of half smart half funny and it was just it was great sort of presentation of all three of them um but my prediction i think is we're getting some sort of flash forward towards uh, the end yeah that would be my sort of the almost like ends with something with tom and shiv's daughter that's all son oh, yeah. i don't know if we know do we know that they have it i don't know why i thought daughter 
<laughs> but that, that would be it would be like because it's succession this is the next generation i know obviously ken's got his kids and we've seen them a little bit this series but this is sort of like you know it's shiv's kid with tom who's sort of in the yeah, in the sanctum as well yeah. so it feels like that that's going to be the next thing but that's just again like a wild prediction that, that i'm coming at it from so can i can i give you my prediction yes yeah, yeah, Jon Snow will kill Daenerys and Bran will become king. Anything else, Dawn, that you wanted to speak about? Uh, well, Ted Lasso also finishes this week. Oh, no, I've I've not caught. I've just had no interest in, in going back to that. Well, I, Gary, I, do you watch Ted Lasso? I parked Ted Lasso because it was on at the same time. What was the other thing that I was watching? Oh, gosh. There were two shows on at the same time. They both came out the same night. That was it, The Mandalorian Season 3. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what I'll do is... They're both on streaming services. I'll watch one, and then when it, when the second one is finished, I can binge. So the fact that it's finishing means that I, that will be my next binge show. Right. So Ted Lasso, Gary will uh, Gary yeah. will write a full review for the. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> believe that, and you'll believe anything. And, um, I finally finished Picard. I saw the very the final episode of Picard, which was fantastic, and I, I cried. I ditched that in season two, which apparently was the worst one, and apparently I should go back. If you loved, if you loved Star Trek, if you loved Next Generation, yeah, if, and I liked Picard series one, but series yeah. two was far too complicated and horrible. Yeah, if you if if it is a total love letter to the Next yeah. Generation and a touch of Voyager, a touch of Deep Space Nine, um, it was very good. So it's been a time of finishing because I also finished season two of Abbott Elementary, which was oh, yeah. uh, up on Disney the other week. So I've basically been rounding off shows this week. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Plugs. Gl- Dawn, quickly. Unless Gary's got anything to plug. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have anything to plug? I don't know. You might have some secret projects that you've been working on. You've just I'm, told I'm, us you're moving. I'm, I'm, I'm busy at work, if you don't mind. You know, that's not really plugging. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. No, yeah, I'm moving. There you are. You moving, yeah. Uh, early early July. Give it give you your new address for everybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> Almost did that on a podcast once, Dawn. You don't want to do that. Um <laughs> and yeah, and um support the NHS and all that. There you go. There's a plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> um Dawn. Yeah, no, the, the shipyard GSD is my other uh, venture. It's on hiatus at the moment, but we talk about uh slow burn ships um and uh will they want these and uh, you know i'm hoping for <laughs> jerry and roman on succession but somehow i think that one's not going to work out uh, and you can find us on youtube at uh, the shipyard usd and also on twitter and instagram and on uh, spotify and all your uh, podcast platforms tom and shiv yes or no do you reckon at the end <laughs> I think they'll probably be together at the end. I think yeah. because you know, well, they saved two other people, wouldn't they, <laughs> from being miserable? <laughs> um, yeah, and um, as as we said on the Custard TV dot com, we will have um review of the final succession, as we have had reviews of the rest of the series. Uh, Dawn is a, a busy lady over there. We've got a review of Silo up at the moment. Um, we will also have some words on Colin from Accounts, I believe, um, yeah. and Luke's review of um, 
Poker Face, which we will be speaking about in a matter of moments, is also up there. As are, you know, you can find all of our podcasts up there. You can find the coming soon. You can find the TV week. There's a lot of things up there, and we would appreciate if you gave uh, the custardtv.com a look. And also the Custard TV podcast, if you could rate, review, subscribe on any of your podcast apps of choice. We've got a, a vast archive going all the way back to 2011. Gary remembers these early what days. We call, what we call the golden years. Uh, the golden years. <laughs> the Gary years. The Gary years. Uh, relive all the Gary years. Uh, Gary goes west, all those. Uh, yeah, singing. Singing. Yeah. Quizzes. Um, quizzes, yeah. Luke versus Matt. I think word, I won that. Word documents that only ever <laughs> I read. That sort of thing. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, yeah, so they're all they're all there now. You can go, as I say, podcast apps of choice. Rate, review, subscribe. If you would like to join the podcast or, or guest on an episode, you can get in touch on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites, at Luke Custard TV, at Custard TV Pod. Uh, Email is custardtvreviews at gmail.com. We're on the Facebook, the Custard TV, and we are on Instagram. It's the Custard TV, which Dawn very diligently runs, and that's why it deserves a, a like and a follow. And... Are you on TikTok yet? No, I don't oh, know what that is. It's it's <laughs> I heard a kid mention it once, you know. Do you want to? We'll start a TikTok if you run it, Gary. How's that? <laughs> I don't even run my own. How would I run yours? <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, so yeah, first up this week, we have got uh, The Gallows Pole, which is a new BBC Two miniseries. Uh, we should start with a disclaimer that uh, Gary has not been able to watch this one. Uh, he had some issues with the uh, the screener, so we'll let him uh, sit this one out uh, rather than make something up uh, about the show. So this is from um, Shane Meadows. Are you... Dawn, are you familiar with Shane Meadows' work at all? Yeah, I watched uh, the original film of This Is England and I watched, I think I watched the first series, so I think, I, or the second one as well. I can't remember, but I haven't 86, watched 86, 88. Yeah, 86 and 88, I think, is, I saw, yeah. yeah. I remember a lot of Stephen Graham, so that I think that was more 88, but I've seen some, let's put it that way. Okay, so you're aware of Shane Meadows. Uh, this is uh, adapted uh, from a book of the same name by Benjamin Myers, um, it is a, a fictionalised account of a, a real-life story of a group of men in 18th century Yorkshire who set up a um, clipping business which involved them forging coins. However, doing some reading around this, this is very much a prequel to the events of the book. Uh, it's a th- three-part miniseries. Um, 
Begins with us meeting David Hartley, who's been away from his family's remote moor dwelling for more than seven years. On uh, his journey home uh, back from Birmingham to Crag Vale, uh, which I believe is in the the Calder Valley of Happy Valley fame as well, um, he gets lost in the moors and seems to be on his last legs. As he's about to lay down and die, he's saved by six mythical men in stag masks who advise him that his work on Earth isn't done. Uh, David returns to the Crag Vale just before his father's funeral. He's got a massive stab wound to his side um, and... That he's he's got three brothers and there's other various members of the community who uh, all gradually nurse him back to health. Uh, one person who isn't happy to see him is now is, it, is she ex-wife Grace or is she ex- no girlfriend because he's girlfriend. Just, she should have married her. So I'm assuming okay, so ex ex girlfriend Grace. She can barely stand to look at him. You know she's convinced to go and see him briefly when he's on his deathbed, but doesn't spend any time with him. Um, he eventually recovers, and then the village gets together for his father's funeral and wake. Uh, him and Grace have sort of almost a con. They have a conversation, but again, it's very sort of tense. But there is a feeling that they might get back together, and then the final sort of bit of this episode is the revelation of what David's job is, why he's come back, and presumably sort of getting to the point of the of the series. Now, Dawn on Twitter, you put that you had watched the show and the plot description had very little to do with what you actually saw. I'm assuming you were talking about the Gallows poll. That's correct. And now you described the well, coins thing. I was like, oh, now it makes sense. I didn't enjoy it. I only watched the one episode. Um, and I understand the point of what he's doing. It's very Shane Meadows. It's very Shane Meadows dialogue. Very naturalistic kind of feels improvised. And, um, it, you know, it's modern dialogue in this um, older setting. Uh, but... I think, it, as you summed up in this episode, which was just over an hour long, you know, I could describe it by saying, this guy has been stabbed, he, he walks home, finds out his dad is dead, he gets nursed back to health, goes to his dad's funeral. That's it. That's basically the you know, events of this episode. It is all about character. It's all about establishing all the relationships, the, the, the relationships he has with his brothers, and um, the relationship with Grace, obviously, that, that you know, there's this underlying thing that um, his brothers got married in the time he's been away, and he should have, you know, he's I think he's older than him, and he should have been in that position, but isn't because he left and went to. But I, I, did he go to London? I, I can't remember. Uh, but well, he he's walked, just come back from Birmingham. I remember that because they say yeah. he's walked back from Birmingham. So yeah. I, I think possibly he's been wandering around, hasn't he? Yeah. Um I mean the acting is all good and they feel it it's it's just weird because it just feels like this is England in uh, in old clothing. <laughs> you know, it's set in a set in a, a muddy village and uh, you know they're all wearing um breeches and and big dresses. Um I I just it doesn't work for me even though I like um, this is England. I liked it because of the, it, you know, the realness. That it felt real. The eighties, Dawn. Say it. Yeah, it was certainly let's be 80s. Honest, the eighties. <laughs> the 80s, Not so much my, <laughs> not so much my time. If we go back that far, and I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about this time period at all. 
um, and the, the industrial revolution that changes everything. Um, I think had there been more plot to it at this point, I might have been more taken in and you know, want mm. to know what happens. But because this was really was the first episode is just establishing who these people are and the relationships and the, the, the community of that village. Um, it just wasn't enough to grab me, I'm afraid. Yeah, and, and it, the, as you say, it was very much scene setting this episode. I think, you know, the Shane Meadows' style is, you know, letting characters just have those interactions. But I think you need to establish who all these people are. And I think with the This Is England franchise, he had the luxury of mm. us knowing, as you say, through the film who these yeah. characters were and then once you've sort of set up where they are when we come back to them four years later you can play with them and have these sort of extended scenes at the funeral at the you know him being nursed back to health um i mean it is all going to be available as a box set on iplayer so i think that's where they're hoping mm-hmm. that people will just go on and on to watch the the three but I can understand where you're coming from. And actually the the opening sort of, um, scroll that we get about, you know, the industrial revolution, meaning so many places are out of pocket because this valley were very, this little town were very involved in the rag trade. And now they've been replaced by the factories and the machines uh, that there was very little of that in what we saw, apart from that one scene where, People are being given things because no one's got any money. We're in a very poor time. Most of it was about the these characters, specifically um, De- Michael Social's character, David. Um, and the, you know, there was extended bits of people just being outside the house while he had a big stab wound in him talking about him. Um, you could tell that this, again, was Shane Meadows's, as you say, naturalistic dialogue slash improvised style and the first time I really noticed it was when the two brothers were in the pub trying to get like (laughs) the dad's wake involved and the conversation they were having with the barmaid felt quite stilted and I was like oh yeah we're back in in these sort of territories with um and actually as well reading around it there's a lot of actors you know who haven't had a lot of experience before there's a lot of open casting calls so They've relied heavily, I think, on people who haven't got a lot of experience. Obviously, Michael Socher, who plays um, David Hartley, we know well, and he's worked with um, Shane Meadows in the This Is England uh, franchise, as has Thomas Turgoose, who plays the youngest brother, who looks the same as when he was in This Is England. about 14. Who, again, I mean, I think those guys, because they've worked with Shane Meadows so often, are probably the... Two of the best. I think for me, Sophie McShearer's Grace was the standout here. Yeah, I thought she was excellent. I sort of, you know, remember her from Downton Abbey, but I think the, the most memorable scene here is the, the scene where they're at the funeral and talking yeah. over the wall and, you know, you'll put... That was the... And I think probably that was a very Dawn scene as well, wasn't it? It was a very... <laughs> yeah, exactly. When they were sick, when she sitting outside, you're, you're not going round me, you go the other way. Yeah, but that takes half a mile. I don't care. You're not coming past me and all that. Yeah, I really enjoyed all and that. Uh, you're pausing. Don't pause. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a wife. 
No. <laughs> Why did you pause? Yes, that I really enjoyed that scene. Had there been a lot more of that, and and that was right at the end of the episode, so um, I could have done with more of that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and there was a lot of sort of experimental like um, camera work when he's yeah. you know at death's door. We're getting a lot of sort of like distorted shots. It feel you know, I think there'll be some comparisons to Peaky Blinders because it's very anachronistic with the music that they use. Um, looking up the the score was done by a uh, Swedish psychedelic band called Goat. Oh, in keeping so. with the uh, industrial sort of you know yeah. the the Yorkshire Valley theme. For me, I don't know because it's a weird one. I really like Shane Meadows, and I like lo- and I liked. I like the ensemble. I like the interactions, but it's just like, where are we going with this? And actually reading that this is forming as a prequel rather than, you know, are they hoping to get like another story of the book? Because actually the, the story about this being the forming of a forgery gang sounds really in- yeah. enticing. I mean, but what we saw it was almost like here's the prologue and then you'll get like the actual meat in the next two episodes so i may go back to it you know it probably will go on the list and i, I and i think it's one where we'll see how you know what other people you know the, the feedback when people watch it and watch the the other two i suppose but yeah just a strange it's a bit of a strange sort of curio yeah. really wasn't it yeah. i think That's, I, I think i hate to say it but you know <laughs> we've maybe got too used to um look specials and it would have could have done with a look special mm. <laughs> if they'd shown us you know this pot pot of 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 the fraud and whatever it is they they get up to it might have enticed me more to yeah like an action scene of like them like yeah. loads of coins being I mean, strewn yeah, across. And running away or something you know um that that might have been it although the 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 opening scene with them collapsing in the mystical men in the masks that i like that because i do yeah. like a bit of a weird mystical thing but and then was, you had, I really liked as well the opening credits with like the oldie yeah. like names for for all like the director okay. and the writer yeah. and the, you know, mistress of the cloths and things like that. It reminded me very much of uh, Blackadder 3 or Blackadder <laughs> the 3rd. They used to do that on that. And, and, uh, and his memories were done in a completely different, it was like really old film. Yeah. Which I think is quite interesting. I quite like that style choice. So there are there are good parts of it. It just there wasn't enough going on to keep yeah. me in. I feel like if you sat down just to watch all three, you'd probably yeah. you'd yeah. probably best to do that. But we'll see what people say. And as I say, might go back to it. But it was just it was just a bit strange. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all there on the iPlayer um, from uh, Wednesday. The best and the worst on the box. It's the Custard TV podcast. It's too good to be true. We're now moving to um, a show that Luke has been going on about for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, this is Poker Face. This is on Sky Max. It's all up there to watch on uh, on now. What's it like? Always knowing the truth. There's nothing mystical about it. I could just tell. And anyone is lying. I know what you did, you psycho. You're gonna find Charlie Kidd, and you're gonna bring her to me.
You live on the road, right? What's it like leaving everything behind? Start fresh. I got wolves on my fender. Oh, I gotta keep moving. Holy, holy. It wasn't an accident. I, I think there's been a murder. Look out! I have been kind of a death magnet. trying to figure out what happened you watch too much dateline i could tell she was lying what is it it's a woman's intuition oh it's not like a tampon commercial okay it's a real thing poker face is a murder of the week show which is going back to the style of colombo um uh in that we the audience see the murder at the start of the episode we know who's done it how it's been done and then the solution of how that person is caught uh comes later in the um, episode. Uh, in the opening episode, it's uh, Nat, a maid who is murdered by her boss at the casino after she shows him uh, evidence she'd seen on a big poker player's laptop of child abuse. Uh, she's murdered by the uh, casino owner's henchman, played by Benjamin Bratt, and the casino owner is uh, the amazing uh, Adrian Brody. Uh, we then go back a couple of days and we meet uh, our main character, Charlie, played by Natasha. Is it Lyon or Leon? I never never know. He said I Leon. Say, on, on... I say, Le- yeah, Leon, Leon. I say, Leon. Yeah. <laughs> the bird out of Russian Doll. <laughs> she from Russian Doll and Orange is the New Black. Uh, she is a cocktail waitress at the same casino. We discover she and Nat are best friends. Uh Charlie has a gift that she can tell when people are lying. She had been using it to win poker games and the owner of the casino, Mr. Frost, had spotted her and eventually found out what her gift was. Rather than turn her into the police or kill her, he kept her close, gave her a job in case he ever needed to use her. And this is the point he does want to use her, or rather his son does. Adrian Brody is the son of the owner. Um, and he wants to fleece this big poker player who they, they call a whale, which is the people with the most money that come, uh, who has been taking money in the sense that he's been having private poker games in his room. So they want to fleece him without him knowing he's been fleeced, and they plan to use Charlie's gift to help them do that. She has no choice but to agree. Uh, and then it is that point in the episode we that is when Nat is murdered you know, the events of, of the uh, prologue happen. And in the the following two uh, two days, Charlie starts to notice inconsistencies about this murder of her friend. It's been set up to look like it was uh, a murder-suicide by her abusive husband, but things don't add up for Charlie. There's little things like that Nat hadn't signed out from work. And the big thing is that the, the gun that her husband had um, waved about in the casino looking for Nat had been confiscated by the casino bosses. Eventually, Charlie confronts Adrian Brody and he, as a result, um, almost admits, doesn't quite, and uh, is going to then fake her, Charlie's suicide to get rid of her. But Charlie is far cleverer than they are and she had known because of her gift, she'd known they were lying a long time ago and catches them out in a much cleverer and not police-related way. Um, and so Adrian Brody kills himself, which then results in his father, Mr. Frost, 
on he's going after Charlie and so she has to go on the run. That is the setup for this this season. The series is a bit like your Kung Fu, your Incredible Hulk, that she is on the run and will help people town to town uh, solve their murders thanks to her amazing gift. And that's why it's Poker Face. Because you can't have a Poker Face around Charlie. Well done. They're done. I think very that good. was uh, very well, well set up. Now, <laughs> um, Luke, uh, as, as I said, has seen all the series. He very much advised me to ask you guys to watch at least the first two, which I have done. Gary, did you do the same? Yeah, yeah. I did watch the second episode, The Killing yeah, of the, and, TikTok, the TikTok Subway. And Dawn, how many did you watch? I only watched two. Oh, I just didn't have the time, unfortunately. This, but you uh, would have gone. But I would have done, yeah, definitely. During the first episode, I was a bit confused because um, I think, as Dawn put very well, the reason that they kill the cleaner isn't really made apparent until you get the story of why they're fleecing the whale. They don't. It, it's seen as like, well, why are you killing the woman who found the person who did the child abuse as opposed to the child abuser? You know, it was like a bit confusing. But once that got solved and once you got into and certainly the second episode allowed you to get into the rhythm of what they're doing, as you are quite rightly saying in the prologue, they're showing you the crime, the killing, the murder as it is in these first two. And then throughout the episode, Charlie comes in and solves the, the issue. And she does this via. Not only, I would say, her skill, but the fact that she is quite loyal to people that she meets um, along the way and persistent. You know, she's nosy. She's persistent. You know, you say with Columbo, he just had that skill of like being in the right place at the right time. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I definitely liked the second episode, therefore most, more than the first, because I saw the fact that, yeah, it turns into like a road movie. And one of the characters that's obviously going to be throughout the show is the you know being on the road being on route 66 to start with wherever she's going to end up seeing much of america and these kind of unusual quirky characters and if the second episode is anything to go by who also live on the road she meets this trucker who says she hasn't spoken to anyone in about 30 days i think it was or something like that you know and and these people who live these unique lives you know either in these little small towns or on the road um i i did love i did love the scene where sterling um the the, uh, the guy played by adrian brody just does a chris morris from the it crowd and jumps out the window um <laughs> because it was just so randomly like 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 chris morris um, and I like the fact that we've got no idea at the moment who the dad, who the casino owner is. All you get is a phone call at the end of episode one. 
I had, I think there were some really nice touches. Natasha Leon's character can't remember words sometimes, and they use this as a wonderful. Well, that, that's why you've got an affinity for her. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if it was TV characters, she'd be well in. Uh, but yeah, she has this wonderful moment in episode two where she has to get a bar, a bunk, a people in a bar or a cafe to sing a song to help her remind what was on the side of a truck. Um, and it was Fox on the Run, which is, you know, a good song as well. It's like a ticking clock thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the, you've got the um, very much in this episode because she was told by the, the truck driver that you've got oh, four, four hours, hours after you've used yeah. a ATM before they'll be able to find you. And, and and as you say, there's that sort of element of loyalty there that she stuck around longer and, you know, they almost yeah. found her. So, Dawn, I, I feel like this is up your street. Yeah, totally is. It really, really is. I love old school. You know, I I loved all those ones from the, well, from the sort of 70s, weren't they? You know, the Kung Fu and um, the Littlest Hobo. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All these on-the-road shows and the, you know, I really like it. Natasha Leon, I have always liked. She's my favourite in Orange is the New Black. Um, I just think she's so personable and charismatic mm. and unusual as a leading woman. There's something about her that is more gritty and realistic than just a lot. She's cool. She's just really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good way yeah. of describing it. Yeah. yeah, just there's, it's effortless. That's the way, you know, her mm. seems so effortless, everything she when she appears. It's and that I, little, like, shruggy sort of, like, body movement she does that, like, you know... <laughs> And I'm in love with her outfit through this. Or, the, mm. you know, that, that sort of style with the, the jeans and the kind of, I think they call them gas station shirts and, uh, mm. you know, the the hat. I just, but I really loved the way the, the mystery is solved, the little clues. Like, in the first episode, you see Natasha, uh, Nat and Charlie going to work and going through the um, metal detector. And it you think you're seeing that because... Matt has to take off her sunglasses and it shows she's been abused by her husband because she has a black eye. You think that's the reason. Then later on in the episode, that is really pivotal. Mm. The metal detector is a major clue for how Charlie figures out what's happened. So all these little things, you're like, oh, 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 I, I understand that, you know. Or the fact that um, she Nat had discovered her uh, husband was cheating because photos had accidentally gone onto the iCloud and then we're on on a screensaver on the TV, and that that is again something that comes up mm. later. So I love those little details that are so well done that you're not looking at it going, "Oh, that's a Chekhov gun," you know. You know this is going to be relevant later. It just seems to be a part of that scene, and then it becomes you know clear that it's something pivotal. I love that aspect of it. It, it so, means that you need to watch the show. This is yes. not a show that you can. Yes. I think you. I think you could enjoy it on one level if you're twittering or cooking dinner or whatever. But not a tea show, show, Gary. No, no, no. But yeah, exactly. But this it's is not a, a tea that, show. You know, this is this is a show that's going to reward you for watching and try. And once you maybe once you get into the rhythm, you will start picking things that you notice that you think, ah, oh, I, I got that before they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's obviously going to have the whole you know guest star of the week thing, um, got mm. that element and John Ratzenberger's in the the second one, um, so it's lovely and I think that was what they did in the seventies as well. You know they they used mm. in, in Poker Face they used the font 
of like Colombo and everything. Mm. It yeah. Like, and she was living in this, you know, mobile home, which made me think of the Rockford Files, which I used to love. So it really is harking back to that golden era of of the detective. There was a, there was a wonderful bit at the end of the second episode. Ron Ratzenberg's character has to have ear plugs or ear um, to help him hear. Hearing aids. Hearing aids. Hearing aids. Thank you. And his uh, partner is the one that is committed of the crime, and he's trying to explain Nephew, himself. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And Matt, John Ratzenberg's character just pulls them out of his ear, and it goes silent as well on screen, like. You as a you as the viewer can't hear this bloke now having to try and explain why he did what he did, and it's a lovely moment of like immersing yourself in the show. Mm. I just think you, yeah, Matt? it's per- perfectly done. I think you know, I think the uh, the hype is justified on this one. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ryan Johnson, you we've seen him throughout his career. I mean, Gary Knives Out, have you seen? Because he no. was resp- no, no responsible for that. So he's sort of done his take on like almost like the Agatha Christie genre. And as Dawn said, this is very much his take on um the the sort of the seventies, eighties uh crime of the week show with as you say, like the starry cast. I think in the second episode, I think Hong Chow was absolutely brilliant as the as the truck driver. I thought she was brilliant. Oh yeah. With with the face blemish and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as you say, John Ratzenberger, um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's really sort of hyper stylized. You've got the the style in the, um, as, as Dawn mentioned, what Natasha Leone's wearing. You've yeah. got a sense of place of where you are in, in each of the two episodes, you know, the, the casino and then in the in this sort of the small backwater town in the second episode. And and the writing really makes you care about even the the smaller characters who we only meet for a, a short while, which I think is a is a great sort of thing in it in itself because you sympathise with these murder victims, even though we've only spent like maybe five minutes with them. You sort of get a sense of who they are through the characters as well that they've left behind. Um, Natasha Leone, brilliant. I think she's a, a a sort of just a screen presence you can't take your eyes off, and I think. With Russian Doll and now with this, they you know they found two projects that really really suit her, and you know stuff that is high concept but not to the point that you sort of aren't sure what's going on. It's a really simple concept. Mm. There's this woman who just she just wants a quiet life, but she's got this thing where she you know she picks up when people are lying to her, and that helps her sort of soul merges. And it's a really simple concept. But it's really well done, and I think, and you know, I watched these two episodes back to back on on Friday night and had an absolute ball with them. Definitely will be continuing it. Gary, is this going on the hard drive? Uh, already is. I am already waiting to watch episode three. Oh, there you go. And Dawn, obviously the same. Yeah, definitely. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV podcast. Good glass drop. From thecustardtv.com. Staying on Sky, but moving to Sky Atlantic. Now we have White House Plumbers. This is a um, historical drama. It stars Woody Harrelson, Justin Theroux. Um, and Gary will very graciously run us through the the uh, basic building blocks of White House Plumbers. 
Okay, so this is a five-part series that will tell the, I'm going to use the word inverted commas, true story of how people that were hired to be Nixon's own political saboteurs and Watergate mastermaids, it's uh, Howard Hunt and G. Gordon, E. Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy. I'm quite sure why they have those. They accidentally triple, topple the presidency while they're actually trying to protect him. Uh, so this is written by Alex Gregory and Peter Huyuk, who were writers on um, uh, Veep. Uh, that was the political show uh, based on sort of like the thick of it. Uh, and also, but it is based on a book by Eagle and Matthew Crow, who actually appear in the show as well as various characters. Uh, and the book was kind of written as a kind of like, you know, what here's what really went on during this time. So Woody Harrison plays Howard Hunt. Um, he plays a guy who was let go by the CIA because he messed up around the Bay of Pigs incident in the 60s. And he's been trying to find a way back into the CIA ever since. And he's given this opportunity uh, and based on the fact that someone has leaked what's called the Pentagon Papers, which was documents about the inside workings of an, a, a bill and a government document um, that uh, that was released that the government didn't want so they bring him back and pair him up with um, G Gordon Liddy who's played by Justin Theroux also starring is Lena Headey from Game of Thrones she stars as Woody Harrelson's wife Mrs Hunt she's a now stay-at-home mum but also used to work for the CIA uh, operative and and a lot of what you see in the opening part is about their family life a little bit uh, you see a little bit about how, how they ended up where they are uh, Howard Hunt is getting taken to writing terrible um, fiction books uh, whilst he's waiting for his CIA call up. And uh, although this is supposed to be like a comedy, it's more your cringe comedy. And there's a very big pivotal moment about halfway, 32 minutes into the episode, where the, the Hunts go over to uh, the Liddy family. Uh, they're introduced to their four perfect, five perfect children who stand in a line on the stairs and his wife. And it's very much that kind of picturesque, you know, and they're going to have a mean roast dinner. And then Justin Theroux's character puts on Hitler's favour speeches. And there's just this wonderful, awkward moment where Woody Harrelson, who can chew the scene a little bit, I think, just sort of goes, that's Hitler. Yeah. Like, you haven't got any jazz or big band music. No, no, I, I prefer to listen to Hitler's speeches. And it is just an indicative of what happens in this show is that it's just this kind of real cringe moments rather than laugh out loud humour. Um, they're tasked um, with, uh, the two of them are tasked with getting hold of the psychiatrist notes uh, for the person that released the Pentagon Papers and they botch an attempt. They end up, uh, instead of uh, going you know, at night, they end up with a locked gate and they have to go in through a window and they end up making a mess of the place. They've got some Cuban operatives that they get in along the way who were involved in the Bay of Pigs. They take pictures of themselves in in, um, in, in costumes and in, 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 you know, sort of makeup so that they can throw people and they end up in the hands of the FBI at the end. It's almost sort of like trying to be slapstick, but without the kind of real big moments like there's that kind of like, you know, they mess up all along the way. Um, in the end, um, they actually end up getting reassigned to the re-election of Richard Nixon. But I think really what they're doing is the same job, but under a different name. And because the reason the show is called the uh, White House Plumbers is because they fix leaks within the government, which I think was a nice little nod. They do end up with some other names along the way, but they end up on the White House Plumbers. As I say, it's supposed to be a comedy, a drama. 
but there aren't laugh out loud moments. There are some funny moments, like I say, the Hitler thing in, in particularly, and there's a few dialogue moments that are quite funny. But overall, it, it relies upon a bit of knowledge of the political time. It relies upon you knowing a little bit about Kennedy, Nixon, their politics, you know, stuff like that. And if you are familiar with that, there's an interest, there's an intrigue. I suppose the one thing I should say is we start off with a flash forward to them trying to get into the Watergate, famous Watergate Hotel right at the end. So we are going to track back. We've gone back in time. We're going to track back through their career and, 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 and right up to the time when it looks as if they're the ones that actually expose Nixon when they're trying to protect him. You hit an interesting point there, Gary. Um, and it was just something I wanted to ask both of you. Um, Luke spoke to me briefly about this and he his comment was that you needed sort of some level of knowledge of the Watergate thing going in and of you know I would assume Gary that you have because I know you've got an interest in American politics yeah. so um do you think that that is a prerequisite do you think that the the writers suppose that you know about that going into watching I, this? I think maybe it's one of these things like it will work on two different levels. If you go in and you don't know anything, you'll probably, you, you'll enjoy the kind of the interplay. And, you know, if you're a fan of Woody Harrelson, if you know the political thing, you'll understand it a little better, maybe. But I don't think you have to do it to enjoy it. I don't think it's a prerequisite. What do you think, Dawn? Yeah, I know nothing about Watergate. It made me realise, wow, I literally knew nothing about it other than Frederick <laughs> Nixon, and it's called Watergate. So I did think it was unusual because American shows do have tend to have a tendency of, of spoon-feeding you information, and this does assume you know who the yeah. two men are and why they become a deal, how they are pivotal in Watergate, and obviously I hadn't a clue. So um, it, I did feel I could have got more from it if I knew more of, of who they are do you, do you think it might have just benefited from like a title card or something at the beginning just to sort yeah, of maybe maybe you should say pause this now go and read uh, the wikipedia yeah. Yeah. On, on the and maybe we will in episode two because of course in pilots they they have a tendency to to not do too much because pilots in america is what gets the series commissioned I mean, I only really know about it from films. So I've seen all the President's Men. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the Post, the the yeah, you know yes, the, the Pentagon Papers thing, which actually sort of plays into this a little bit. Um, you know, because this is the the guy who's gone on the run is the guy who's the, the who leaked the Pentagon Papers, isn't it? That's the guy that they're trying to sort of yeah. Which I think is actually the writer E. Gil Crow. I think right. Okay. Um, called another name as well, so it's Eagle something crow. I mean, you mentioned in your your sum up there that the sort of the the comedy aspect of it, Gary. It it feels to me it's got very much like an Ealing comedy thing yeah. to it, um, and possibly because you, of the time because of the time period you feel like. Yeah, Ealing comedies are well are earlier. You know, they're sort of nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. But, you know, like the the Lady Killers, the Lavender mm. Hill mob, you know, these people who are employed to do a job but are really bad at it. And that's sort of where we are here. You know, these people have got very high opinions of themselves. As you said, you know, Woody Harrison's character it wants to get back in the CIA, writes these really bad books that his poor wife has to type out for him. Um, Gordon Liddy is, as you say, 
listens to like Hitler's speeches because they comfort him because he had a German nanny growing up. <laughs> I just can't get. I really still. I, I still. That is. That was a good scene. I, I still chuckle to myself when I think of that scene. You know, they're, they're, it's it's very wiggy. You know, they're always wearing sort of wigs and disguises, and um, and then as you say, these the Cuban operatives come in towards the end and um. D- like have a plan a break in but um they can't get in so they pick locks and then they make it look like a a junkie's been there but by putting drugs all over the plate and it and like you know Lizzie's like what sort of drug addict would take their own drugs to look for more drugs so I mean I I enjoyed it I found it though despite the comic moments I did still find it a little bit dry I would have. I, I mean, they did try and put a bit of emotional poignancy in there that um, the the daughter of the uh, Woody Harrison Lena Headey um, family, their oldest daughter Lisa, was in a car accident and had mm. you know additional needs as a result of the crash and was dropping out of college. And obviously, she was very anti Nixon. You know, she was you know of the t- the the youth of the time. You know, very um left wing so um there's the tension there for me i think the best performance came from lena hedy i thought she was fantastic again i think this is a a recurring theme this week where the wives are the best characters in mm. um i you know she's she's the smartest person in the room basically isn't she i think that's yes. the character she plays yeah the, you know i know better than my husband who thinks he knows everything um you know, the expression on her face when she's at the Liddy's house is absolutely fantastic. I oh, wish yeah. she had a little bit more to do, perhaps. But again, I I wasn't convinced by this enough to continue. It felt a bit okay. sort of miss. The tone was a little bit all over the place. I sort of know what they were going for. But it was still, despite the comic moments, felt a little bit dry for me personally. I did laugh out loud um, a couple of times. That scene with the, the Hitler speech, and you, you're, they're sitting on the sofa, and you just see that um, the uh, uh, Liddy character has climbed out the window because somebody's oh, yes. eggs at the window, and he's gone to chase them, local kids. And you just see him dropping behind them from the window with a gun and going and chasing kids in his schoolyard. And... Um, you know that that I find that very funny, um, and Woody Harrelson's just you know. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events. It's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. His total ego, which is clearly. On uh, not not deserved. That's what I'm looking for. Undeserved uh, ego. Um, 
And I think what, one of the things I liked about it is so many American things, which are, you know, political, are always a bit, hey, woo, aren't we amazing? And look at this big hero. And these aren't heroes. They're yeah. useless. And they're right wing. And they accidentally, you know, do the opposite of what, of what they want to do. As you, as you say, Guy, they completely destroy Nixon, even though they are huge fans of him. And I, I like that. I like that it's the undermining of this right-wing pompous rah-rah patriotism and that how mm. utterly pathetic it is in the end um, and, and the connection to Hitler in that sense of, you know, um, obviously Hitler himself is not funny, but the fact that this character admires Hitler so much but is also saying, oh, no, no, what he did was abhorrent. Yeah, tries so to defend <laughs> Hitler, you know, which is never yeah. a good the other bit I liked is you do have the backdrop of the Vietnam War and there was a quite poignant moment where Woody Harrison's character is trying to get into the White House in the middle of a Vietnam, anti-Vietnam war protest. And really, in the only sort of like, again, shocking moment, they're going, F your war uh, out loud. And you're kind of like, it took me out of that moment for a moment. Like, oh, gosh, that's, that's like 18 PG language in what a show that doesn't really have it the rest of the way. But it, it's trying to give you that sense of what was going on in America at that time. You did really have two camps. You know, you were either for or against the Vietnam War. There was no middle ground. Uh, and that's what a nation divided, which, you know, ironically, America always tends to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think I would watch more. I did. Yeah. I, you know, I've learned in that one episode, I've learned so much already. And I've learned... <laughs> I felt like I was I was finally learning for all the references in Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire there. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so coming up, coming up will be, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, Belgians in the Congo uh, and all of that. Yeah. Russians in Afghanistan. That's it, yeah. It's no, that's, late, that's later, isn't it? Russians in Afghanistan? I can't remember. Yeah. Charlie Wilson's War is the film for you if you want a bit of the Russians in <laughs> Afghanistan. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It's educational and uh, entertaining, and Woody Harrelson is is over the top, but I, I enjoyed that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, I I will watch more. Yeah, Gary. I I mean, again, I think I feel like this was one for you. Did you yeah. enjoy it? The the sort of the I, subject I, matter. I know you're you you will always sort of gravitate to American political political. I will do, and I, I I like Veep. I really enjoyed Veep because again, it, it, again, there wasn't a hero in Veep. It was idiots. And, and it was how on earth they managed to get through the week being so incompetent. Um, and I think there is going to be more of a sense of that. I, I think, yeah, I, and the fact that it's only five is interesting. You know, this is not your typical US kind of thing. You know, five episodes, they've clearly, because they've based it on a book, they've got a beginning and an end and, and, you know, hopefully a middle that we will be able to watch. So, yeah, definitely going to carry on. Definitely think it was something one more up my street. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. I feel like we might be on the same page on this final show. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It it is uh, FUBAR. It is from uh, Netflix and it is being promoted as uh, the first uh, starring series uh, with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You are officially retired. How are you going to spend your golden years, huh? Dad! Shatzel! Oh, I missed you. Now, since I'm retired, I'm going to bring my wife back. What's going to stop us? 15-year-old divorce paper? She doesn't love you anymore. Lou, can I talk to you for a minute? 
We're going to lose an operative. Codename's Panda. I'm retired. You zip in, extract Panda, grab the WMD, zip on out. Daughter's in the CIA. What the f in Language. this Dollar in the swear jar. I know where the WMD's toward, so follow me or get out of my way. She clearly has daddy issues. She treats me like a child. Alcohol, cigarettes, and the garish lipstick. That's not lipstick. Uh, oh my god. Uh, vibrating, my god. Kill me now. I do love, and this was a thing in his his film days, that all these characters, they give Arnold Schwarzenegger the most American names possible. <laughs> um, and he as Luke Brunner. Um, we first meet him in the midst of his final mission uh, in Belgium. The opening scene, which I think possibly would be one of the most expensive shots ever, is Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping out of something to the strains of Sympathy for the Devil from the Rolling Stones. I which... thought that. Yeah, how did they get that? That, that must have cost <laughs> yeah, them. Like between, between Arnie's fee and the, the amount of money it costs to, to pay for that music. Um, so once he completes his last mis- mission, he journeys back to America for his retirement from the CIA. Um, he tells his colleagues that he uh, wants to buy a ship uh, with the aim to reconcile with his ex-wife, Tally, and hopefully rebuild his uh, strained relationship with their daughter, Emma. However, on the day of his retirement party, he's informed by his close colleague, Barry, who is the guy who's sort of always in his ear. They have their their sort of front is that they run a sporting goods store together. Uh, Barry tells Luke that one of their assets in Guyana is in danger of being compromised uh, whilst monitoring the arms dealer Borrow Polonia. Um, Luke has a previous relationship with Borrow. He uh, ingratiated himself into the family, um, secretly killed Borrow's father and attempted to like groom Borrow in his own, mould him in his own image, sending him to good schools. But what's happened is he's sort of taken over his father's empire and almost done better. So he get, he decides to go over to Guyana to get the asset known as Panda out safely. But when he arrives in Guyana, he is shocked to learn that Panda is actually his daughter, Emma. Neither of the other knew that they were in the CIA. Um, Barry did know and sort of does a big load of exposition to us, the audience, as well as to each of them. Um with this revelation now out, uh, long-held resentments are voiced uh, and the hostility that the pair have sort of adversely affects their ability to leave Guyana safely uh, and leave Barrow behind. Uh, I think we're all sort of... Now, we were talking, weren't we, just before we started recording yeah. about sort of the age discrepancy here between you guys and myself. Yeah, it's it's rare that I feel young, so thank you. Um, <laughs> but you, I think... For me, I mean, the first Arnie film I saw was Kindergarten Cop. By the time I sort of was of an age, he was doing like the family films. I would have seen like Twins and Junior before I saw any of the sort of the Terminator or Predator things. But I think we're all of a similar age where we grew up as Arnie as this big, massive movie star. Um, Obviously, he's been through a transition of being a governor and then he's come back for like the nostalgia run with the expendables and things like that. And I think this is very much playing off that. The simple thing 
is Arnie can't act. I mean, Arnie's best roles were when he played a robot, and it's so obvious when you watch this film. He's just reading lines. He can't emote. He can't. Even when it's the big shock reveal of the fact that his daughter is in the CIA and is this operative, it still looks like he should just be standing there smoking his similar cigar. He's got no emotion on his face and it, it completely ruins what should be a good moment. Emma is fine. You know, she, she has this kind of role reversal. She's this kind of sweet, innocent daughter who's never sworn and never smoked and never drunk. And then has this kind of completely 180 thing where she's actually doing all those things as a CIA operative. And I liked her kind of like her narrative of, well, you were never at home and now I know why. You know, she has more emotion in her scenes than Arnie's probably had in his life. It just is so generic and so bland. You know, they spent all the money on, on, on as you say, the music and the scenery and the cars and the cigars. And they've not bothered any of it with casting decent actors. Yeah, I um, feel very similar. Um, <clears throat> it just, it, I mean, it does feel like Arnie's playing on his star persona quite a lot. There's a gag yeah. early on where he um, talks about not being able to speak English very well. Um, there's a line about his his daughter's boyfriend is a kindergarten teacher and I was just thinking kindergarten cop. Yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, I think you were alluding to it well there, Gary, that a lot of the supporting characters are very thinly drawn. You've got Barry, you've got the other two agents who they take with them who are like this, you know, this sort of wannabe cool guy in this, um, you know, she's uh, the, the, token lesbian character that was her main and defining that, trait and that, that felt was the very only thing we know me. about her yeah. which is so thinly drawn and it know? was and it was a, it feels just very old-fashioned in its portrayal of all of these characters like they are it that like this was a, a script that was around in the nut in the 80s or the 90s that was for arnie when he was in his 30s or 40s and now he's in his 70s and let's do this now and and have this thing about him being retired obviously you know if you've seen anything about the show you knew the twist already that it was about you know it's almost like a Mr and Mrs Smith thing but with a father and daughter Mm. the emotional beats do not feel earned you know the you know you left me my entire childhood I know why I was never good enough. I tried to do all these things to make you stay. And none of that hit from an emotional perspective. None of the gags hit. Arnie, you know, he is a present, but he's lost some of that now as well in his increasing years. So there is just nothing here to hang your hat on, really. And I think mm-hmm. it's very much appealing to... Now, Dawn, this was this is a bit of a callback. When we talked about the penetrative, what was that one, the Mike Myers thing? Uh Oh, Pentaverit. Pentaverit. Not what you said, Luke. No, uh, There's another 80 in there. The Pentaverit, which was the Mike Myers thing. And I said at the time that that was the main appeal of that was for people who remembered Mike Myers when he was doing these Austin Powers and doing these Wayne's Worlds Mm. and wanted to watch him do character comedy. This feels to me like people who grew up with Arnie Schwarzenegger and his, you know, his action comedy films. Like, you know, this feels very sort of True Lies-esque, a bit of Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah. They're going for that audience. They're going for someone who, the people who are trying to, like, look back at their youth and go, this is what was big when I was younger. 
but actually this is a pale imitation and why don't you just go and watch back watch the original things back rather than watch something new which just isn't as good what about you dawn yeah i i felt like if this had been a film it would have been a pleasant entertaining romp for you know and that episode was an hour so add an extra 35 40 minutes on it to resolve you know they team up and they solve all their problems and they become a team of amazing cia agents and resolve their problems and we see them at the end they'll go off together to it with the knowledge of each other and he wins his wife back i would have gone oh that was entertaining but the fact that you know you're going to face an entire season of this i was just like uh no uh, it would. It's not enough to hold your interest for a long period of time. And everything you said about Arnold Schwarzenegger is right. I was thinking about, you know, if they had had a different actor in the main part, obviously they wouldn't have made the series because the whole point of it is it's, it's Arnie back. But a different actor who could act and who wasn't such a presence for just being him, it might have been, uh, you know, more emotionally resonant. I did laugh a couple of times with the, the bit with her. Uh, he goes into her room, his daughter's room, and he's horrified that she's got cigarettes and booze, and he's like, and lipstick, and it's it's not a lipstick. Um, I, I find that <laughs> Again, bit, I, I just found that such a tired old yeah. gag, though. I, I, I we'll think say it, it was a vibrator, Dawn. I can see it, can I? I'm allowed yeah. <laughs> It was a vibrator, yes. And when they were running over somebody repeatedly as having while having a domestic argument, um, it is that kind of humour that you found in those, you know, Arnie films. Um, but it's it's not enough. And I and I have to say, I don't even think the daughter was enough in herself. I didn't get enough from her. You know, she's not Natasha Leone. I didn't feel. <laughs> <laughs> she leapt off the screen as a as a character or a, or a presence in any way. I'm just I'd... looking her up now. She's apparently in Top Gun Maverick as well. I was. So I, obviously... I did actually look. I looked her up, and yeah, the yeah. Only, and I've not seen that film, so and I couldn't tell you. But obviously, she's in this sort of phrase of working with these classic sort of action stars in their twilight I, I, years. I think as well, there was no real element of risk. You know, once again, you've got foreign operatives who are terrible shots you know they're they're driving along in front of a car an open top buggy there's five people in the car and all they do is hit the shoulder of the girl of the daughter i think or something or arnie i can't even remember like they say get down that's not going to help you when you've got (laughs) six automatic weapons being fired at you you know and and the fact that you don't even really see how they get out they get surrounded and then the next scene is they're out. So they miss out. So just it poorly. Logistics. All all the money, all (laughs) the money went on Arnie and Rolling Stones and they should, and the plot, I mean, you know, the opening scene in Budapest looked nice and, and then, you know, we're we're back in America. It was, it was was Belgium, Gary. I thought it was Budapest. I do apologize. Antwerp. Antwerp, I do apologise uh, to any people from Belgium listening. Um, and, and you know, uh, no, we'll not be watching any no. more of this. I Nothing think the Netflix-loving is over with this. You know, we, we, we were quite big on beef and uh, the diplomat, but I think the, the love affair has ended for now. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'd be interested. I would be really interested to know if this has had any positive reviews. And why and where the, the positivity is coming from, 
you know, maybe again, it has to, it needs to be one way you watch it all, but I doubt it very much. As Dawn said, if it was a 90 minute film, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea for a film, but again, you wouldn't want Schwarzenegger in it really, would you? But if it was, I mean, if it had the rock in it, as opposed to this, Mm -hmm. let's go for the modern day Arnie, Mm -hmm. there probably would have been, the gags might have hit a little better because he's much funnier than Arnie was ever. Um, but again, I don't really, you know, and, but I think, I feel like The Rock has done this kind of film already, you know, so I mean, there are films out there, so why, why turn it into a television series? It makes no sense. And, and they, they mentioned his age at the start, you're saying, oh, you're the fittest 65 year old I've ever met, but I thought it made me think about um, the old man, you know, with that we reviewed with. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. That really drove home the fact of how hard it is to be um, an, an agent of any kind when you're that age and everything really hurts. And they could have made much more of his age yeah. and made a much bigger thing of that. That would have been funny. It, it, except we made major plot points of the fact there was very there was no ice cream cake at the party. That was mentioned about five times. That they spent money talking about that and not about the impact of him retiring and stuff like that. Well, you're not meant to, I think the, the, at the end of the day, you're not meant to take anything really seriously in this. I think that's the main issue is that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's meant to be more of a lighthearted thing, I think, but that just sort of undermines everything that goes on. And I just think, you know, to draw a line under it, it feels very dated. There's nothing there that's particularly memorable. And I think, you know, this has mainly been done because Netflix thinks by just linking on all sorts of eggs to something yeah. that people are automatically going to watch it. But I think people are smarter than that. But prove this me made, wrong, people. This made me yearn for a bad Channel 5 drama, Matt. Oh, there you go. Now put that on the poster. Right. So that's Food Bar. That's all up on Netflix now. And that is us uh, done for another podcast. So thank you very much for listening and thank you very much. Uh, Gary and Dawn. Gary, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at the Gary Show. If you would like to see very random musings on football and television, because I'm go. practically giving up Twitter these days. There you go. Are you on Instagram? You are on Instagram, aren't I you? Am on Instagram, I follow you. On again, Instagram. there's no point. There's no, no. point following me. I, I just have an Instagram account. I don't actually do anything with it. Sorry. Okay. There you go. Gary on social media. There, Dawn. Yeah. Where can we find you on socials? I am on. Uh, Twitter, or sorry, TikTok. I'm on Twitter at Don Glenn Two or the Shipyard USD, and I am not giving up Twitter. They'll take it from my cold dead hands. Dawn invented. Well, Dawn invented the internet. We've established yeah. this. Certainly, yeah. message boards. Dawn invented. Yep, yeah, that's right. Um, okay. <laughs> I thought it was AOL that invented message boards, but maybe I'm wrong. No, Dawn. Dawn was there first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and I am at Matt's TV Bites, the website at Luke Custer TV and the podcast at Custer TV Pod, uh, CustardTV.com. And please rate, review and subscribe uh, to the podcast on your podcast apps of choice. Uh, we will be back next week talking uh, the return of somebody somewhere and uh, Changing Ends, which is the Alan Carr autobiographical sitcom. But till then, uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.